0: Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm your host, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? It's going, brother. It is Friday. Happy Friday. Yes. Uh, And we were just talking (laughs) offline because we were about to just get heated and shit, so we'll get into that (laughs) topic first. But All right, guys, this is uh, episode 54. This is another uh, indie comic review, and this is going to be for the week of 323. But before we get into the reviews for this week, actually, you know, Phil and I were having a conversation offline before we went uh, live. And, uh, yeah, something is just fucking pissing us off. (laughs) So why don't you mention it, Phil? Because I don't think I'm going to be able to get through without saying another F word.
1: (laughs) so you know i mean uh obviously currently right now we're dealing with all sorts of weird paper shortages and things like that and and that you know and that, that makes sense you know a lot of um i'm gonna look at dc right now uh a lot of their you know heavier paper stock tabloid sized books especially coded trade treated papers they are delaying all those and they're they're being honest you know they're those are coming out very sporadically now uh because obviously they got to get the floppies out on a more you know timely manner because those all sort of tie into a greater thing. And, you know, a bunch of years ago, Marvel made a move where they made the cover stock of their comics the same paper stock as the interiors. So there was really no separation, you know, between cover and pages. And, you know, that was borderline acceptable. Uh, But... We were really kind of surprised this week, uh, not just us, but uh, I've been reading online about it, that uh, the stock, the paper stock that Marvel used on a lot of books this week, Iron Man, Maestro, whatever, uh, they're they're like mainline uh, three ninety nine books. Uh, the paper they used on the covers and the interiors were surprisingly thinner than they have been. Uh, I've read people online acquitting it to toilet paper. Angel, you said it best. It's just more like colored newsprint, you know? Um, and it's just, you know, and, and you had a good point that, you know, you're keeping it at the same three ninety nine uh, price point, but you're reducing the quality of the paper. And that really makes people, I think, question the quality of the product that they're getting. If they, you know, if one month the book feels thick and the next month, it feels like twice as thin, uh, you do start to kind of question some of your choices. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people are are rightfully miffed about this uh, this this new paper stock that Marvel's using. They have acknowledged it. I think they said they're going to go back to a better paper stock, but for now, it was just a really bad call and, you know, you got to wonder where where that's coming from, you know. Uh, the other thing, too, is a lot of books were, were damaged. Just a lot of books yep, came to retailers yep, damaged yep. because of this poor paper stock. Uh, and part of the statement they said was like, yeah, we're going to have very few near mint books so expect a lot of very fine uh, and, and and you know, close to mint books. Like, Yeah,
0: which sucks and, for collectivists collectors and stuff yeah. like that and you know uh, like Charmin's, like uh what is it Charmin's freaking toilet paper the two five it's thicker than this fucking comic book <laughs> like not not just a page it's thicker than the entire comic book it's just crazy so yeah. you know if you're gonna do that that's cool then lower the price point on on it because i mean i'm the amount that they're printing i would say maybe at most they're probably paying 45 cents per book but then they're charging $3.99. Yeah. And then, you know, depending on the shop, they're getting a, either a 50% or a 60% discount, more than likely a 50% discount. So, you know, it, it's just crazy to do that. And then, you know, you have, uh, as much as, you know, some people talk shit about McFarlane, he has a two ninety nine dollars book, but a fucking cardstock. Gorgeous, cover. gorgeous paper interior yeah.
1: cardstock covers. I yeah. mean,
0: yeah, it's... I mean, 60-pound weight for paper is, is okay for a comic, right? <laughs> I believe this was a 50-pound weight... Self-cover, and you know what? There's there's some comics that are self-covered, so they're just you know, interiors and the exteriors are the same. It's fine, but you don't go fifty pound. Fifty pound is freaking. That's like you blow on it, and it's it's done. It'll yeah, rip. Yeah. And that was uh, the thing that like they were coming just extremely damaged, like yeah. more than usual.
1: And don't be disingenuous about it if you're the company. You know, let, pe- let retailers know in advance. Okay, look, this is what's coming down the pike. And then when people call you on it, you know, don't just kind of be flip and be like, yeah, you're going to have a lot of, like, you know, you're not going to have a lot of near mint books. Like, like, be a little classier about it, I think, as far as uh, uh, letting retailers know and responding to retailers about it.
0: Yeah, so that's, that's the news for this week. So shop indie. Fuck that, because <laughs> for some reason, like indie creators think they have all the money in the world. And you, they use like the best paper stock that they can find, um, and then they they wonder why they're in the the red all the time. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you don't have to go that crazy. Like, right. su- sufficient paper is good enough. Um, all right, cool. Moving on. So we have four books for you to uh, this week. We have three off the shelves, and then uh, one that we reviewed from uh, Michael Gonzalez, who we had on the show on Monday. So we're going to review one of his books. So you know what? I'm I'm just going to start us off real quick. Um, our first book for this week is called Armaclads now I have to be honest I, I, I stood in the aisle for like 5 minutes with this book <laughs> in my hand as to whether or not I was going to read it um, it is from Valiant and it's not because it's from Valiant it's just because I, I I just I don't know I'm not a mecha guy I'm not a kaiju guy I'm not a an right. this guy kind of guy Um, so and Valiant has put out some stuff that I love in the past Uh, they're their, you know series 2 of Exo Manowar because I didn't hop on so the first series uh, was great. Uh, a couple of their bloodshot, like uh, I think Reborn, um, uh, what was it, Salvation, those are uh, pretty good. Uh, Ninjak, the second series, I read all of that. I love that. Right um, you know, I didn't get into Shadow Man too much, but there was something that went on a while back, and there was a character called uh, Punk Mambo that I really liked, which I hope that, you know, I think she got a one shot or she's mm-hmm. getting a mini, um I, I love to see that character get more stuff like that so valiant has been around for some time they're they're not called valiant comics anymore i think they're valiant entertainment right um so you know comics is one aspect of what they do now so i believe they're trying to go all hollywood on us but you know Hollywood and video is.
1: games yeah
0: yeah so they still fall within that you know smaller publisher um sort of indie feel but yeah, they're, they're getting up there and, you know, well, we're not going to be able to call them independent comics anymore or, or small <laughs> publishers. Um, uh, but that, that's easy here and there. So we have Armaclads, and this is uh, written by J.J. O'Connor and Brian, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Uh, uh Pencils yep. by Manuel Garcia, inks by Raul Fernandez, colors by Rex Locus, and letters by Dave Sharp. Um, okay, so with Everything that I just said right now, I was actually pleasantly pleased with this book. Uh, the art's really good; uh, it, it works for this book. Um, it, it reminded me of Avatar, but without the blue creatures. Mm. So you know, you have this uh, this this company that's mining on a on a on a distant planet called Ziru, uh, Xeru X E R U R U and they're mining uh, for this particular material that they're bringing back um, for the colony so that they can you know, have enough to grow food and, and water, because I think something happened on Earth where it's no longer habitable, and wherever they are, they're, you know, they need this to exchange for whatever resources that they need to get. So you have two classes of, of workers. You have the armor clads, and you have the ironclads. So the armor clads are like the soldier guys, the ironclads are the people that are mining uh, for this material and stuff like that. However, they are not there of their own free will. So they're there so that they can mine, and when they turn a certain age, then they have the ability to be freed and brought into become a citizen. So it, it, that was a really cool aspect that I liked uh, about this because so now you're automatically going to have tension between the ironclads and the armor clads the soldiers looking over them because they made it a point in the book there's like a a guy on a screen that's always talking um like before they go on to their missions and when they Mm -hmm. come back from their missions and stressing you are not slaves you actually have an opportunity to be freed uh which i thought was ironic because Mm -hmm. slaves that are being freed are slaves um, but they have an opportunity to work off you know, whatever it is that they need to work off in order to become citizens uh, of the population and stuff like that. Uh, so it, outside of the mining itself being dangerous, there's creatures on this planet that they're trying to avoid. So the armor clouds are there to protect the iron clouds and make sure that they do the work and make sure that they stay protected so they can come back with the resources and stuff like that. Um, so lo and behold, stuff happens where tension gets created. There's a situation where one of the ironclad guys uh, perishes um, and is due because of one of the armaclads, the soldiers, um, The orders one of the ironclads not to save him. Because he'd rather not lose two suits, he'd rather just lose one. Mm. Um, so they just look at them as, as expendable um, resources. So we get towards the end of the comic and basically that unit gets ambushed by, they call them bugs, so they're these huge-ass bugs that come out. Mm. Um, and the soldier who had told The ironclad, not to save his buddy, is the one that's there now surrounded by bugs, asking the ironclads to come and help him. And guess what they do? What? They they don't help him. They don't. (laughs) Yeah, so the bugs trash him and stuff like that. And the ironclads, you know, even though they're not soldiers, they have all, like, this drill equipment. They have these big pinchers. I mean, these are, like, mech suits, which are, you know, they're supposed to sustain a, a, a bunch of damage. And uh, they end up uh, fighting off the bugs and scaring off the bugs. Uh, And then that's pretty much where we're at. So they get called in to uh, back to base um, because I guess one of the radios was going off in regards to trying to locate one of the clads and what's going on. They said he perished, he died. They ordered him back to base and then it pretty much um, ends with uh, all these clads outside of base telling these guys to come outside. Um, which means they're going to be in deep shit because of what happened, um, on the outing. So it was interesting and it's probably a lot more interesting than the way that I'm explaining it. But the fact that it wasn't just, you know, these, uh, soldier dudes dressed up fighting bugs, but there's a little bit more intricacy going on in regards to, I want to find out how these people are chosen right um for you know mining and and if anybody's ever actually gotten free because there's conversations that are going on in the in the mess hall with uh uh you know one person talking to another person saying can you teach me how to ride the mag i said absolutely because on my 20th birthday i'm i'm, I'm out of here so i think it's mm. on the 20th birthday they have an opportunity to be freed and stuff like that so mm. but no one knows of anyone who's actually been freed so so it's going to be you know the evil corporate dudes just doing whatever they need to do they probably just kill people off and stuff like that um (laughs) and there's going to be a a a rebellion against Mm. what's going on here so it's interesting i I might pick up another issue just to see where it goes um if it seems that predictable then i may you know wait on it a little bit longer but for the most part the, the art was enjoyable the writing was really good actually i mean the conversations like the different personalities that were given to uh the different people uh just kind of stood out so yeah um i I would check it out if if you're into like mech stuff and uh um avatar which is like right up the the alley for this particular book then
1: armaclats from valiance check them out yeah it seems pretty starship troopers-esque as well like which i like Uh, yeah 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 yeah, absolutely and um now is this a standalone or can you tell if this ties into the greater uh valiant uh mythology because valiant i mean is, has has reinvented rebooted mm-hmm. their mythology many many times over the decades so they've had a lot of various restarts and, and a lot of the stuff is usually interconnected uh but this does it seem to stand on its own
0: it, it seems to stand on its own for now but that's not to say that they couldn't bring in like exo or yeah. or somebody like that because it's it's in that same kind of genre Yeah. Uh, But as of right now, it's it's a standalone. But it it would be cool if they crossed it over because I know they've done a couple of crossovers before um, and big events. So, but as of right now, this looks like it's on standalone.
1: Very cool. Very
0: cool. Cool. All right. What do you have?
1: so uh it's funny because i i i I asked that question about being tied into a greater work because uh one of the things that i you know try to do with uh with these reviews is i try to find something that's a fresh start i don't necessarily like to pick up something that's like a second part um you know a second mini series where i haven't read the first one Mm. uh so i was really intrigued by this book by dark horse comics uh called count crowley amateur midnight monster hunter so right away the title grabbed me the cover image is Really cool and the writer Really pulled my attention in so I was really kind of Excited I was like oh this is going to be really fun Uh, Brand new comic brand New series turns out it's actually The second the first part of a second Miniseries so Mm -hmm. I read it anyway Because I am a firm believer that If a writer does their job well um, Every comic it's an old Jim Shooter Thing I think it's every comic should be Read uh, you should be treated As if it's somebody's first comic correct And sometimes that, that can be executed Very cleanly very well Sometimes, like we've talked about in Jim Shooter's Secret Wars, it could be a bit of a drag because <laughs> the first three pages are just retelling what you just read. And not
0: one issue. Every issue. Every issue. I'm every like, issue. Jim, I know. I know. <laughs> but I, I, you know what? To be fair, you, you made a really fair statement. I mean, there yeah. should be where every single comic you pick it up, you should know where you are in the story if you're in the middle of a story.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so this book actually does that very well. So we're going to get into the credits because, like I said, the writer was somebody who I was really, uh, really interested in reading what he wrote because this guy is actually an actor and he's like one of those kings of the comic book movie because this guy had a small part in The Dark Knight back in 2008. This guy uh, was in the the couple of the Ant-Man movies. This guy Mm. most recently uh, knocked it out of the park as Polka Dot Man in james guns the suicide squad so mm. Cal crowley amateur midnight monster hunter this miniseries uh, after that subtitle actually has a title called the monster maker written by david dasmalshian i think i'm pronouncing that correct or damal i don't know um i've only seen him act but i've never heard him say his name mm. uh art by lucas kettner uh colors by lauren affey letters by frank zvetkovic uh edited by megan walker so right away first page you have um a real sort of like crypt keeper tales from the crypt type horror comic host right uh named vincent van gore uh and it's a really cool technique because he's Telling you what you you know what went on before in the previous miniseries, as he's painting these images on these canvases because he is a true artist, this Vincent Van Gogh. Mm. Um, so I re- thought that right away, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool. This is like those old EC horror comics with this introduction with your creepy horror host." You get a really good breakdown of what you missed and it just kind of picks up right from there. And so basically you, uh, you're following Jerry Bartman. She is, um, a recovering alcoholic, uh, uh, news reporter for a local news station who gets pulled into this world of monster fighting. Uh, but on top of that, she is also the new uh, air successor to a, uh, one of those, you know, um, campy, uh, horror movie, uh, shows like Sven Gulli, Zachary Elvira. Mm. So she's, she's now the, the new host. She's, she's accepted the responsibility of being the new host of what's called Friday night screen theater. Um, now of course she reluctantly does this, she has her aged mentor helping her through. Um, but, you know, mo- most of this issue's focus is, you know, her really learning a little bit more about what what her obligations and what her job is and also trying to track down this werewolf that attacked her in the previous miniseries. And it's a little easy for her because uh, the werewolf uh, in human form is part of her regular AA meetings. So I thought that was a really <laughs> neat hook, too. This book takes place... Firmly in the 80s and it wears it on her on its sleeve she says things like gag me with a flamethrower totally radical think you know um you know all these little 80s catchphrases are peppered in her dialogue which i thought was a really good way to kind of kind of make you feel like you're in that era uh, aside from the fact that you know this whole concept of you know um, um cheesy campy horror host um, you know, handing it off to somebody else, your, or the monster hunting aspect, reminds me of that great movie Fright Night, uh, mm. which there was a comic that we reviewed, which um, you know, wasn't as good as the movie but the the things that worked for that Fright Night movie are kind of shunted right into this this comic, this Count Crowley um, and what's really interesting is, you know, Count Crowley is the name of the, the, the horror movie host persona that she's taking on, hence the fact that she's not going to be called Countess Crowley, she's mm. like That's just there was, you know, she would be the first woman, but she's going to keep that name. Uh, You have a mysterious uh, conclave of very rich people who are also involved in this. uh, And they're getting messages that basically Count Crowley is returning. Uh, But basically all of that. Is, is laid out in the story. So even though it's a little thin, you know, it's a, your standard 20, 22 page story, um, you know, that catches you up uh, with what went on before and then pulls you, pushes you in the direction of where this is going to be going. I didn't feel lost. I felt like this is really cool I don't need I didn't even need to Research what went on before because it was all Laid out in this issue um, So not only does this Make me eager to pick up the rest of This four issue mini but mm-hmm. now I want to Kind of go backfill and, and maybe get the trade Of the first Count Crowley miniseries uh, David Damascene Is obviously a comic fan And he's a really good comic writer His pacing is great you know he does All the good little techniques of making You want to turn the page after you you get to that lower bottom right panel, you know, uh, some of the stuff, the the in between the, 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 the panels, the action that happens in the gutters. He leaves that up to the readers. Uh, so really good. He's paired with an excellent artist. This Lucas Kettner has a real strong Bernie Wrightson vibe to him, which works mm. really well for this book. So, yeah, if you like monsters and the 80s and mon- reluctant monster hunters, uh, give this one a shot. You can go and read the first miniseries and dive into this one. Or again, if you know you you don't you know you didn't know or you don't you you picked it up, uh, go ahead. Don't feel intimidated by it being the second miniseries. It's uh, it's a good first issue on a, on a, on, a, on something that tells you what you need to know.
0: Cool, cool, yeah,
1: excellent. All right, wonderful. All right, moving on. So this
0: third book we both read, Um it is called we have demons finally <laughs> finally <laughs> in print <laughs> in print from dark horse um with uh, a, a mini imprint of best jacket press yes uh, which is scott snyder's uh you know imprint which is pretty cool i, I was reading on some of that stuff so yep. it, you know all right so this is written by um scott snyder pencils by greg capullo inks by jonathan uh galpiong uh, and Colors by Dave McCague and Letters by Tom Napolitano. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what what can you say? So one of the things that I love is, you know, Greg Capullo's art. I mean, Ugh. I've been following him forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman to freaking. The first book that he was like really took over, which uh, made his own, was Spawn. Yeah. When he took it over from Fallen, um, and he did like I think I don't know how like at least a hundred issues I oh, um, yeah. say if if not more. Um, so I've always you know appreciated what he's done and brought to the table. So and he's just so consistent um, with as long as he's been in the industry, he's just been yep. so consistent with um, his work. So this was no different. It was cool just to kind of I, I love the way that he draws like these expressions and stuff like that. Um, which is fantastic, so you know exactly what people are feeling, Um, even when they're like, uh, like there's one panel where, you know, she's dating a whole bunch of people and the guy's talking in the ear and she has like a whatever face on her face (laughs) it's just like resting bitch face Is just perfect Um, so first things off, it's a $4.99 book, but you get a lot so it's a first issue and if you know Scott Snyder you read Scott Snyder, you know that sometimes it can be uh, a little wordy um, yep. But in this particular instance, I think it worked really well because he's not only building a world. What I really like about what Sky Snyder does when he's working on his own projects is the background. Yeah, Like there's there's all these bits of information and it's not overwhelming. It's like splattered in between the back and the forths that he goes to um, when he's talking about stuff in the past and then fast forward into current time. Um, but it's bits of information that pile onto the story They give it sort of like a meat and a bones to it, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Um, it, it just makes it feel more well-rounded and you feel a little bit more fulfilled because you understand the background of why certain things are being said and why certain things are being done. So I really appreciate that when he does that in the writing. And, and it's, it's, sometimes it can be really wordy and sometimes it's just small things that he adds um, here and there. Um, so basically, we have demons. As, it just follows this one girl. What's her name again? Do you remember her name? Uh, uh, Lamb. Yeah, it's, it's La- short for some other name. That's an Lama Lamassu. An yeah, Lamassu. Lamassu. Yep. Yes, uh, and she's called Lamb. Um, and it's abbreviated and basically it follows her story and, and it opens up with her sitting down with her neighbors um and she's talking about like god folk like people who do stuff that are you know really almost godly close to god like they they, they just do everything right for other people um and so i, I don't want to ruin any, anything but pretty much you just follow her journey to find out how she's actually going to become a demon hunter And I know Mm -hmm. that's a big stretch from sitting down with some people to Demon Hunter, (laughs) but there's all this stuff that happens in between with her father, her father's secrets, and it's just really woven in really cleverly throughout the entire story of her unraveling where you actually start at the very beginning of the story is where you actually end in the same place. Yeah. Everything that happens in between... So supports what happens from the beginning to the very end of this book. So it's 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 you know it's comic writing one hundred and one mm-hmm. done really fucking well. Yeah. Um, so my hats off to Scott Snyder on that. And then on top of that, Greg Capullo's art just reinforces everything that you know Scott has written down on the page and stuff like that. What makes this book really really you know over the top for me is at the very end you actually mm-hmm. have the entire script for the book. Mm-hmm. And, I, and oftentimes I skip this stuff because, you know, I've read enough scripts in my life, but I actually read it. And yeah. it was interesting to see the interpretation from word to actual art form yeah. and how some of the things were actually changed, either in some of the pages and or some of the panels. Yeah. So when we were talking about um, when we were talking with Michael about his process with the creator and how much liberty there is between, you know, the, the, the writer and uh, the artist, these guys have worked together. A lot, so I think they already have a trust built in. Where it's funny because I'm reading the script and I'm like, "Holy crap! There's not even a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of generalization and ideas." Yeah, and and there's there's
1: a lot of whatever, whatever you, whatever you think would work here, Greg. You know, like there's a lot of that. Like there's a lot of that.
0: that. So you, you have. I mean, obviously the dialogue and stuff like that, but not even like sound effects or any of that stuff. He's like, "All right, that's going to be all up to." the the artist interpretation. So this is where you you know build a rapport and a relationship with another creator that you trust them so much with what you've done that you know it's just going to work really well. And yeah. so even at the the ending where it has multiple endings because yeah. you didn't know if we wanted to to do this big reveal and stuff like that was was really cool to see. So overall super pleasantly surprised. I knew that I was going to like the book anyway, um, but I, I didn't know I was going to like it as much as I did. So I, I love this whole demon stuff and angelic stuff. And, you know, it's not over the top with religious tones, mm-hmm. um, but a- enough in there so that you're like, holy shit, this could actually be something. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm interested to see where this book is going to go. Um, and, it's, and, you know, there's the brand new imprint where, you know, he explains that too in, in sort of like the letter from the writer at the very end talking about you know where their imprint came from and why they chose the digital format um into the print format and how they're not choosing one over the other but how you know this pandemic forced a lot of things or a lot of people to kind of step back and review how they want to proceed forward and that's not just in the comics medium that's in every single medium mm-hmm. I mean, you look at how many people were working from home for the last yep. few years and you know some of them are starting to go back to work and some of them said you know what hey let's just keep it this way it's working yeah. so you know <laughs> looking at what happened over the past two years and and looking at how many stores closed down uh looking at you know how the industry was affected you know what was the best way instead of having these two mediums or, yeah, two mediums compete with one another or platforms compete with one another. How can they help each other? And yeah. so, you know, they're making it available on digital first and then into print, which, I, I you know, kudos to them. They're trying to, you know, work everything as much as possible so that this this medium can actually thrive and survive and move forward. Yeah. So.
1: yeah. I mean, you nailed it. This is a, a great, great first issue. It's a great physical copy of a book. Uh I mean you have like 34, 36 pages of story, you have the letter from the writer like you said, you have the rough outline. I mean they really went all out to make this physical edition a lot special because mm-hmm. again, this was a comicsology original first and now it's in print. And you know, it was really good to read that in his in his letter there at the end uh because it's the things that we've been talking about, you know, um you know, in my interview with you uh and then plus talk with Michael uh earlier this week. You know, just this idea of, you know, uh why digital, you know, what are the benefits of doing digital first and then doing print. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, you'd have that opportunity to reach a lot of people, you know, a lot more people. Uh, but yeah, Capullo is firing on all cylinders with this book. The detail he puts into the stuff in the background, like when she goes to the secret room, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all this is like great detail he puts in. The expressions, the, the, the character movement, the, the demon designs. I mean, it's all there. It's great. Scott's writing is always been something I really responded well to. Um, yeah. There might be some, some choices that he makes that, you know, when you're in the moment, it works. It's great. You go back, you think about it a little bit. you will be like, eh, that it was a weird choice. But man, like as a reading experience, when you're in it, you're, you know, you buy into his stuff all in. And one thing I, one technique I did like, and you kind of touched on this a little bit was, you know, her, how lamb is trying to find her voice not only with this new role that she's taken on for herself, uh, inheriting from her father, but also in how does she tell this story? And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of moments where it's like, well, maybe I should begin here, or maybe yeah, I should begin yep, here. No, yep. I'm gonna begin here. And then later she's like, you know what? This is where I should have started. You know, so I really loved that sort of voice of of the, the the character that that you're you know that you're following, that you're in her head. Um, I, I just yeah, I thought this is a great great first issue, um, and really want to see more more from this story as well as the other seven with seven different artists uh, that he's laying out here. Cause they all sound really, really interesting. So yeah. uh, good on him for doing that. You know, um, I was a big fan of his Batman New 52 run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really solid, complete story uh, that he wound up telling there. Uh, but it's really, really, really good to see him get out of that sandbox uh, and, and play his with own. His own, create, make make, and play with his own toys. And I think that he's going to have a lot of fun with this. And I think Reader's going to have a lot of fun as well. So.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. So I am interested in seeing what what else uh, Best Jacket Press is going to come out with. And it's cool that they have a partnership with Dark Horse because they're the ones that are going to be doing their, uh, their print runs on the books. And he's got some really great artists lined up for his oh, yeah. writing. And you know what? If he keeps doing what he's doing. And, and I don't know how much extensive research he does, but he does enough to make you make it believable in regards mm-hmm. to the subject matter that he's talking about. So there's enough in there to say, oh, shoot, yeah, this could possibly be a take on, you know, how this happened and stuff like that, which I love. I love, you know, taking what what's ha- has happened in the past or what some people think of having happened in the past and apply your story to it to kind of and your characters to kind of make it even more relevant Yeah, to the time. So, yeah, all right, cool. We have Demons uh, from Dark Horse Comics. Definitely check it out. Uh, you won't be disappointed. All right, and our final book uh, is from uh, the creator that we had on this past Monday, uh, Michael Gonzalez from Rainy Road Media. He's an independent creator uh, who has a Kickstarter Gun Engine Zero. Uh, we have all the information on um, the anchor site, so you guys can check that out if you want to give him a follow and stuff like that. And uh, Phil and I had an opportunity to read one of his stories uh, called Six Eight. And you know, for me, it's always about titles, and I'm like, why the fuck is it called Six Eight? <laughs> and you, you you see the heavy influence from. Uh, the Book of Revelations in um, this, um, and it's not a religious book per se. I keep saying that for a lot of stuff, but uh, people tend to use uh, religion and and sprinkle in lightly to kind of enhance the story that they're telling, um, mm-hmm. which you know brings it. It makes it a little bit more creepier because it makes it a little bit more uh, relatable. Because if you are Catholic um, and you have read the Bible and stuff like that, um, that that book gave me nightmares more than anything <laughs> else. Um, but yes, all right, so what what would can say so it's written by uh, michael gonzalez um and then there's two books within this one if i'm not mistaken yep and the first one is done by alan burns is that correct yep yep and then there's a different artist on the second book um which i can get their name later on Uh, emilio utrera there you go so you could tell the art style changes but the tone stays the same
1: yeah, it's not jarring at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, this. The, the first book is just... I mean, the art in it is... It's almost kind of like a, a Monet-esque, where mm-hmm. it's almost impressionistic, but you can make out some of the detail and stuff like that, and it's very atmospheric. Um, and basically, you have sort of... Um, I'm going to see if I get this right, because um, I had to read the synopsis, too, a little bit, because uh, you could tell what's going on, Um But it kind of jumped back and forth a little bit where I was thrown off. So I think in those instances, it probably would have helped with like a a little narration bubble as to what was going on in in any particular sequence. But basically you have, um, it's it's a horror anthology kind of story where you have this family um, where you have a mother and a daughter at home. And then the father, I believe, is coming, going home from work. Yeah. And he's robbed by these these two guys and, and stabbed in the street. Um, and they he he explains to them that you know I have a family and they go do you do and then they're going to go take out the family. Before it gets to all of that though, you have sort of a crime scene um, that that opens up the book where there's blood everywhere in this particular bathroom, but nobody whatsoever. <laughs> so the cops are baffled. So we get to find out later on that this is the apartment that those two robbers go to. to They end up uh, trying to kill the wife um, and, and the daughter and stuff like that. Um, and basically you find out that there's this... Uh, is it, can we say a demon or a spirit or whatever
1: so i don't even know yeah
0: something (laughs) Something. comes out and actually kills kills (laughs) one of the guys
1: that that freaky mask yeah yes yes
0: with the freaky mask so comes and kills this guy and that's why you see all the blood in the bathroom but
1: nobody whatsoever it's like exploded the guy like there's no guy left it's just the insides of the guy all over the place
0: and then for some reason i can't tell (laughs) where like who's the guy that is saying What the fuck
1: is that what the fuck is that that's that's the guy so it was two guys that that did the home invasion right the one guy got exploded there's a a dark hair and a blonde guy there's the dark hair guy gets exploded in the bathroom yes this is the other guy left behind and this is the guy who i think actually stabbed um the the, The the father father. yeah so he's still in the house freaking out because he sees this mask Mm in the shadow behind this reclining chair
0: but the, but nobody else can
1: no one else can
0: yes yes and he's surrounded by the police okay got it got it yes so i to be fair i read this uh late last night and then i, I brushed <laughs> up on it again this morning so what what intrigued me most about this book and and, and you know like i said it's really hard for independent creators um to, to get stuff out there and 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 get the stories told and you know if it's if it's a one shot, it's one thing. If it's a part of an ongoing story, then it makes it a little bit challenging if we can't finish it. Um, and what I really liked about this uh, was the artistic style that was applied to this book mm-hmm. because it really, like, I felt like I was reading Seven. Yes, yeah. Th- that, that's how it really felt. Yeah. Um, and outside, like, and as far as, like, me being lost, that's my own personal thing. Because oftentimes when I'm being navigated through a story, those those word boxes of letting us know when we jump from one place to another help. Yeah now, yeah. now, two things are gonna help with that. And this would be something for any creator who's you know putting stuff together. So if if the tone of the entire book is gonna be the same and you're jumping back and forth from places, then it makes it harder for the reader to determine when you're jumping from place to place if the tone of the book is the same all throughout. Mm-hmm. So that's where you would benefit from those, those square pop-up bubbles that say, okay, now we're here. All right, now it's here. Uh, we're back here, whatever it is. Um, that, that's the only thing that I would say about this book, um, that had a challenge because I had to go back and see yeah. where it jumped so that it would make sense to me. Um, in that
1: respects. Yeah, there's like, there's some slight lighting color shifts mm-hmm. for each scene based on where it takes place. But it is, it, it is, it is very subtle that that you really don't, I think you catch on a second reading. Uh, it doesn't jump out to you on an initial reading. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think that that would be, that would definitely be beneficial. Just sort of like uh, five hours ago now, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what I did like about about how the the, the, the these flashbacks or, or this story, this nonlinear story is laid out um, is it reminds me very much of how you get details uh, if you're, you know, on a real crime. So you kind of see the aftermath on the news. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there was a murder and two people were killed duh, 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 duh. and that's all you get. And then it's like a couple of days later. You, if you're following that story, you start to get, oh, well, the father was here, and this is what happened, and then this is how they got there. And then it's like then another piece comes in a few more days later. You know uh, that is maybe it's, uh, an important piece of information happened even before that, right? So the way that the information was disseminated throughout the story mm. um, really felt like I was kind of reading about this in the news and then kind of creating in my head as to, to what was going on. But uh, again, yeah, that order of information being disseminated, non-linear, was very much, uh, I felt, a real world uh, a thing. So I, I kind of was into that. I thought that was really cool that you're finding the piece, you're finding the pieces, they're out of order, and you as the reader have to like, put that puzzle together.
0: Yeah, so I thought yeah. that was very cool. Yeah, which is cool. And then now I'm taking a look at it back, and I can see those subtle tones of when they're changing, from one perspective to another in the story. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, it's it's really subtle, and if you're not paying attention to that, then and you're just reading and going along and following, then it can it can be a little bit off putting because you have to go back and and reread. So I think that's the only thing, probably for a uh, a visual person, yeah. just having that you know that timeline kind of like. Um, but you know what? I think if you, if you were persistent and you read it uh, the second time, then you would get more out of it. Um, <laughs> and it's
1: in some ways you got to, you know, it's like, I I probably would have, I wish we thought about this on Monday, kind of, it would have been a good question for Michael. Um because it does kind of almost force you to read the whole book rather mm-hmm. than just flip through and scan the pages. Right. right. In order to, 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 to see what's going on, you kind of ha- do have to read through everything. Um, and I wonder if that was a, a conscious choice or he just felt, okay, the color change is going to be enough. Uh, but again, you know, it didn't, didn't really throw me off too much. Um, again, because I love, you know, crime stories and things like that. And yeah. I even l- look at a lot of real life crime stories and, find that information as it's disseminated so it kind of fit fit my sensibility in that respect but i could have benefited from some sort of timestamp stamp or some some greater indicator uh than just what we were talking about
0: yeah um but other than that i really enjoyed the story it was great and for those of you that are wondering what the title means it's a, a verse out of revelations yeah. 6 8 and hell Followed him. Yeah, <laughs> scary as fucking shit. But what's um, also
1: you mentioned yeah. seven, and it's funny me that it's you know yeah it's six, colon and eight like the verse. Yep. But it's six, What's seven, the eight. number that comes between six and eight? Is seven. You know. <laughs> oh man,
0: that's funny. All right. So then the second story. What did you think of the second story?
1: Uh, the second story again was 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 really good. Uh, I didn't find the art change too jarring. In fact, mm-hmm. I got like a page or two in before I even realized. Oh, it's a different artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it it's it's interesting because it does in some sense, sit outside of the, what you just read. right? But it does advance the story a bit because you're basically being introduced to, um, you know, a, a sinister type doctor character who takes that second guy, right? That, that second uh, home invader who was still alive to a rehabilitation center. Uh, and instead he cuts his head open uh, to get at his brain. Um, and the guy's still alive while he's doing it. Um, so I thought that was a really cool kind of hook, uh, to end that on. And it definitely, you know, really builds up a greater mystery that maybe this wasn't some random act that, that there was something greater and more premeditated going on. Um, and who is this doctor and why is he doing this and how is he involved? Uh, so I really do hope that, uh, that he, he goes a little further with it. Um, and it was nice to have that coda because the main story really did kind of end on on, 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 on quite a, an abrupt note yep. uh, that to have a little bit more uh, to, to strengthen that mystery, but also put a sort of a button on everything you've just seen, I thought was very effective. But yeah, b- boy, nothing made me, you know, made, made me want to see more of what was going on than having this doctor cut that guy's head open yes. and playing with his brain.
0: <laughs> but from what I understand, that guy had nothing to do with the original story. Right. So the, right. the the link between the first story and the second story is actually the police officer, the police because, officer, yeah, and, because... the, and
1: the guy and the, the the one guy from the home invasion who's getting his brain cut open.
0: Oh, is that him?
1: That is the same guy. That was my gathering that that is the same guy. That that's that they take him uh... in custody to the rehabilitation center. Yeah.
0: Okay, because it didn't look the same.
1: Yeah, it's again, it's kind of hard a little bit with the, with the colors because because yeah. what's interesting is the you know how we were talking about how the first. Part was you know the scenes were broken down by color, for this verse two, the it's like all the colors are now at play in this scene at the same time. gotcha Yeah. And and it with the different artist style, it's like really like it's it's really I think in the dialogue because yeah
0: yeah you can't even tell
1: that this guy's blonde because the top of his head was cut off. Correct. So. but yeah i think he's trying to get into the memory of this guy so he can access what this guy saw that was my take on it got you give us more michael yes give us more
0: (laughs) because there is this chapter two that's supposed to be coming out and then i guess it follows the girl again four years later after everything had happened um so it'd be interesting to see yeah so you know it's it's cool to read stuff that's you know not mainstream and um and pick things apart and stuff like that and see what works and you know, what, where things could be enhanced and stuff like that. So this was really solid. I mean, I, I think Michael has some really great stuff that he's working on mm-hmm. um, and and he's already released and stuff that he has coming up. So yeah, uh, check him out, uh, Michael Gonzalez at Rainy Road Media. You can find all his information on there, um, including, you know, his past books and then what he has coming up as well. Uh, yeah, I, yeah you know, I don't read a lot of horror stuff and this, this was just a really beautiful book to look at. Um, and if you're an artist, you know, looking for, uh, different techniques and stuff like that, this would be something that you would definitely want to venture into take a look at and, and, you know, you could, you could definitely walk away with some, some great stuff. Here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And if you get a chance, you know if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to our interview with Michael on, on that we did on Monday. Um, he, again, a really solid writer, a lot of really good ideas. Uh, he's got a few things out there besides this. He's got a book of legends anthology, which I really loved. Uh, nine separate sto- short stories that with like really cool Twilight Zone t- twist ending type things. Uh, really talented guy, re- uh, and, and and really motivated, um, and one of the best voices, one of the best. Uh, listening voices I've ever, ever, ever had to encounter. Um, <laughs> very calm, very, very nice, very, very, uh, yes. very pleasant sounding. Uh, but, very you know, very seven esque. Very so yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh let's not make more speculation on what Michael does besides comics. But um he's got some really good stuff and you know he needs some help. So if you want to give a give a, a help to his Kickstarter, uh let him get some more of this good work out there. Uh he's somebody who is talented and and is nice enough to then deserves it's all the help you he can get.
0: So. Yes. Awesome. All right, cool. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, all that we have for this week. Uh, please make sure you support your local creators like Michael
1: and to support your local comic book shops as well. Where do you get your comics, Phil? I get mine at The Joker's Child in Fairlawn, New Jersey. If you're kind of sick and tired of this week's uh, crappy printing paper for Marvel Comics, come to The Joker's Child because we have comics of all shapes and sizes and, and all types of printed paper on them. Uh, and, you you know, your older books got some heavier bond. Uh, you can get some old newsprint stuff if that's your game. Come to The Joker's Child, though. We have comics of all types.
0: Of course we do. All right. Uh, remember to support your local comics shop if you want to be on the podcast uh, as a creator you know uh promoting yourself and or your work uh just visit amazingactioncomics.com slash podcast fill out the form we love to have you on if you love what you're hearing make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well and more importantly tell a thousand of your friends to come and take a listen uh, stay up to date on all things amazing action comics at amazingactioncomics.com we've got some great stuff coming up um, out of the woodworks so yeah uh, i believe we are trying to set up another creator for either next week or the week after um with uh, a book called Biggs. really interesting concept so that should be cool um, enjoy the weekend everyone and until next time be amazing stay amazing and read something amazing